Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Before we even mention that other guy named uh, LeBron James signed an extension two years at $85 million, the largest two-year deal in league history. And then you lock up the guy that LeBron has openly said, I want to pass the torch Stop. to. This thing has been This thing has been so long, Z, in terms of the bubble, the pandemic, and the playing and everything. I'm talking to Jay, and I'm looking at the highlights on TV, and they're in the Staples Center playing, and I'm like, where did they get fans in the state? I'm, right. I was thinking of the bubble and the championship, and I wasn't even thinking about March. I wasn't, yeah, I wasn't thinking about like December. Okay. It was the furthest thing from my mind. This is just stupid. Well, it's stupid how good they are. Well, no, it, it's stupid how good the Lakers team will be next year. We put the team they, together. They are exponentially better than everybody else. I mean, obviously, AD signs that one ninety million dollar extension. LeBron signs a two-year, $85 million deal. Those are your two key cogs. Then let's go through it. They re-sign KCP, Contavious mm-hmm. Coldwell mm-hmm. Pope. Mm-hmm. Okay, they bring him back. They get Dennis Schroeder, a guy that can score on anybody in the league. He was a reason why OKC was in the position they were, along with Chris Paul and you know Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Bring him on board. They steal Montrezl Harrell from the team that's in the same building, <laughs> sixth man of the year, that can score on anybody, brings you energy. They get younger. You still got Kyle. I mean, you got Wesley Matthews, a three-point shooter from Milwaukee, who can space out the floor. It's just Caruso's still there. Caruso's still the there. Eagle. Kuz is Kuz is still hopefully going to learn a little bit more and still there. Who else is still there? I mean, it's the coaches are all intact. We didn't I, lose anybody on the staff. I don't I believe. see anybody that. Can, I mean, look, Portland will be able to compete. I like Portland. I like the pieces. Resigning Rodney Hood. What's big that they were able to do, um, you know, getting Derek Jones as big. They bring him over from Miami, gives him athleticism, get him in these canter, helps him a lot as well. But, man, the Lakers are just loaded. And everybody else seems to be in flux. Golden State in flux. Okay, Houston will be there to a degree, but they're still – who knows what style they're going to play. Who knows mm-hmm. if James Harden will be fully bought in. Lakers are just uh, – Clippers – I get Clippers that bring Luke Kennard on board, Nicholas Platoon, but that's not enough to get this team over the edge. Not against this Laker team. They're let's, loaded. It's it's done. It's done. Let's talk about that one at a time to get your view, Jay. First, with everything Jay just said with what the Lakers have been able to add and then obviously re-sign with LeBron and AD to the surprise of nobody, as Key said, LeBron was simply asked, we got that 17th championship. We're tied with our arch rival, the Celtics. Are we on the verge of number 18? Is a back-to-back feasible? I Trez, didn't mention Marcus yeah, yeah, yeah. I yes. didn't mention Marcus Yes, we can. Yes, we can. I want to mention that was on Spectrum Sportsnet, the TV home of the Los Angeles Lakers, as well as the Road Trippin' podcast. So that's part one. Jay just said they added all these pieces. LeBron saying, look, if we stay healthy with these pieces, Gasol, et cetera, the sky's the limit. On the other side, excuse me, Jay, you mentioned the Clippers. Opening night, December 22nd, 19 days away, Lakers, Clippers. The NBA has not released its full schedule. That's another story for another day. But on night one, Lakers, Clippers, the litmus test will be there for both teams. Let me ask you this, though, before you even say anything, Jay. Do LeBron – LeBron plays, obviously, right? Yeah, he'll play open yeah, okay. open at night, okay. Christmas. Well, I just – you know, I know that there's some conversation about how much he plays, so I just – you know. 72-game season this year, we should mention. Not 82. They want to get it done so some of the European and foreign players can get to play in the Olympics in Tokyo, which is very important for those particular players. But what are we going to know about the Clippers night one with that sort of challenge? Look, you, you never know everything about a team night one. I mean, I, I don't want to get 
obviously we're going to be hyped up about the matchup. We're going to build the matchup on ESPN. It's our product. It's going to be great. But still, the Laker, the Clippers still need to go a long way, and this team for the Lakers still need to continue to mold. Key, like a championship isn't built on the first day. But I will say the chemistry, the Lakers don't have as many questions as we have about the Clippers. The the, the Clippers clipped us last year. <laughs> No pun intended. You love well done that though. No, early no in the early in, early in the season, right? They 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 got us. Opening and, and night basically. Opening night. Us. So everybody was kinda like, oh my God. Then they doubled down and got us again. So we were waiting for the third and the fourth opportunity to get them, and finally we took care of business and won the game. Now this is gonna be the same sort of conversation opening night. What is Kawhi? What is PG? Uh can they get it done with Ty Lue at the helm at coaching the team, especially given the fact that Paul George said what he said about Doc Rivers and the adjustments that was made during games. So, lack thereof. The lack thereof adjustments that was made during games. So it's going to be an interesting hype, build-up performance. Um, but I don't see, in the end, the Lakers not coming out of the West. We've gone through it a thousand times in our head, as well as on paper, Jay and I, trying to go as far up as the uh, Portland and all the way down to OKC to say to ourselves, who could come out of the West with other than the Lakers? And we've come up with basically nobody. I mean, look, the, the Clippers are going to be really good. I'm not going to say they're not going to be. I just say that the Lakers are loaded offensively now. The Clippers getting Serge Ibaka, I think, really helps. I think it's somebody that can somewhat try to combat Anthony Davis. But Serge Ibaka is also a lot older at this stage of his career right now. So when you – it's just, man – Zubak isn't going to be able to guard Anthony Davis. You have Marcus Gasol. They have the sides. They have the depth. Now, Kawhi is still going to take on the challenge of guarding LeBron James. PG has to be they, – they both have to play better than what they did last year. I mean, the, the thing for this team is, is health for them too. I mean, look, both these guys have been injured. They've gone through injuries. There's been reports that have came out that talked about Kawhi taking a lot of time off throughout the regular season. That's still going to probably be the same this year. But also I think the Lakers are going to need to – Learn about how do you manage LeBron James in the minutes that he's going to play, considering that, look, the season just ended. <laughs> We're talking about two months ago, the season just ended. Mm-hmm. It's a really quick turnaround. The crazy thing about the season just ending a month or so ago is LeBron James didn't look like he was slowing down, though, right? He just didn't – you didn't see anything. It was like, man, he tired. You know, You didn't see it. You did not see that. For whatever it's worth, for whatever he does – all the millions of dollars he spends on his body, you didn't see no slowdown. So the little bit of time that he's taking off and he's getting – they're in training camp now, so they're in training and they start on the 22nd. I don't believe that you're going to see a major difference from what we saw the last game that they played. I will say this, though, because I heard Dame Lillard in the podcast and he was talking about how it was easier in the bubble because you would play a game, you're done. You go – you do your ice tub right there at the hotel – they have food for you. You get it, and then you go right to your room. You go to sleep. You wake up the next day and play. So the only thing I would say is that you do have to factor in we're playing, you know, every team in the respective city now. Traveling. Traveling, Traveling all, all that other stuff. So th- there will be different styles of managing LeBron James throughout the course of the season. What do you make of the fact that the calling card, I, at least I thought, I thought the calling card for the Western Conference, even though I know the Warriors have dominated, went to the five straight finals, I got you. But the Rockets were on the cusp. The Warriors dominated. Denver is emerging. Utah uh, re-signed Donovan Mitchell. You were very bullish on Portland. What do you make of the fact that the Western Conference used to be referred to, and still might be, 
as a murderer's row, right? The West is just so tough. And now it's sort of flipped where you guys are both saying there's a one and there's a huge drop off to two and below. I, I think that uh, and, and you can correct me if I'm wrong because you are the, the, the NBA expert. I think a lot of that has to do with the shift of Kevin Durant. I, I really do. Mm. Once he once he made the move to Brooklyn, everybody else in the East started saying, we've got to now figure out what to do. Even though Miami made the championship, Milwaukee now had to go out and get somebody, and they went out and got Drew, mm-hmm. Drew Holiday. And then so you start looking at all the different pieces. They take in one of the top coaches in the NBA out of the West Philadelphia, and they bring him to Philly and Doc Rivers or Glenn Rivers, so he wants to be called now. Right. Um, it, it's so now you're starting to see things, and it's like this is why the East is stronger. Now, all of a sudden, as of yesterday, late last night or yesterday evening, you move Westbrook mm-hmm. from Houston to the East Coast mm-hmm. for an, uh, a, a guy that we really don't know a whole lot about in we terms don't. of the injury in John Wall. We know Westbrook is healthy, so now that makes that stronger. So you start to look at that. That's the reason why. The way I ranked them, I had my top eight, and it took me a couple reiterations. Of course, Twitter kills you for that, but I don't care. Uh, <laughs> was I had the Nets number one preseason. Yep. I had the Bucks number two. I had the Celtics number three. I have the Heat number four. The Heat's going to be interesting for me because I, I think you know people are going to wonder if they're an aberration due to the fact that they won in the bubble. Um, but I still love the style in which they play. I had the 76ers. Number five, I think that they made big moves getting Seth Curry, uh, adding some pieces to that team with Doc Rivers, Glenn Rivers. Um, I have the Raptors, number six. I have the Hawks, number seven. I have the Wizards, number eight. These name changes in the middle of people's careers. No doubt about it. He's Glenn because there's only one Doc in Philly, and his name is Julius. Let's go from A to Z. All right, let's start with a little college football. Barry Alvarez, the longtime head coach at Wisconsin and the team's athletic director and a former member, by the way, of the college football playoff committee, saying this about Ohio State. This is the money bite to the Detroit News. Listen to this. Quote, he's talking about Ohio State here. Quote, our league can't keep them from having the opportunity if they have a chance to be in the finals. What is he essentially referencing there? Ohio State's valiantly trying to get to six games played. That's the threshold that the Big Ten has put on a participant in the championship game. So that would seem like they're trying to change their own rules midstream. Paul Feinbaum told Greeny yesterday, hey, bro, you can't do that. The ACC has done it. They're all part of the same uh, college football playoff organization. So I'm going to say that they have to look at that and go, okay, it's been done. There is some precedent here and and just blow it up and and quit acting like uh, it's complicated because it's not complicated. And every time I say this, people cringe, but it's true. The big 10 came back for a couple of reasons, uh, obviously to collect the television money, which is critically important, but they also came back because they had a legitimate contender for the CFP. I think that's fair from Feinbaum, but at the end of the day, I think you know he's saying that through gnashed teeth. He knows that there should be no way this should be allowed to happen, but a precedent is set. It's there, but I think having Paul on every single week, it's it's pretty clear if they have an opportunity to do it, they're going to do it, fair or not. Uh, You know, I just don't think a team playing less games than other teams should be allowed. I just, I, I don't, but I don't have a vote. 
Well, we'll see what happens. Remember, Alvarez on the committee, as I mentioned, so he's got some precedent and context. Not that the committee's ever dealt with something like this, but he knows what's going on inside the heads of the men and women that matter most. Inside the head of Aaron Rodgers, saying he's not done yet, despite what people said about him in the preseason. Key would call those people fools because he's <laughs> down there and Rodgers a little bit crazy. So as you know, Key, Aaron surpassed the 50,000-yard passing mark, did so against the Bears on Sunday Night Football. That's in his 192nd career game, getting there to 50,000 faster than most people in NFL history. Fourth fewest games. And he said on the Pat McAfee show, essentially, if you want to write me off, do so. Well, you can do that at your own peril. When it hey, comes to records, I love, I love them. And milestones, like, I do take pride in them. I think they're more things you look back on when you're done playing. I don't think I'm done uh, by any stretch of the imagination, even though some people may have thought so in the off season. I, uh, I am. <laughs> there's another milestone coming up that, that's exciting. Uh, when it comes to milestones, though, like, I think the trifecta that we hit in the game was pretty sweet with Big Dog getting his 400th catch mm-hmm. on a touchdown, Devontae his 500th catch on a touchdown and uh, my 50,000 yards on a touchdown to Tunyon. You know, Zubin, I, I wouldn't call them fools. I call them misinformed or uninformed, either one, whichever one you want to use. I've always been a guy that I see it myself. I don't follow what other people see and try to use that to shape a narrative about one's career. If you know football, like I think I do, you clearly can see he was nowhere near done, not even close, despite what people felt like. And I'm glad that he referenced the offseason because people felt like they needed to go get receivers. Aaron Rodgers didn't feel that way. Even if he was like, why did y'all draft a quarterback? He didn't feel that way because he has a Devontae Adams. He has a Lazar. He feels good about what they have from an offensive standpoint. I just love it, though. I love the the little sly jab at the one. And, and everybody out there know who they are. Mm-hmm. They might Oh, no, I was always on board with Aaron Rodgers. No, you wasn't. You wanted to create a certain narrative and hope that it worked out for a guy who's going to play another eight years. Easy. Easy. Think about that number, though, because quarterbacks are playing well into their 40s. It's amazing to me, Key. Tom Brady for everything he's done, Aaron Rodgers for everything he's done. They don't carry chips on their shoulders. They carry boulders. Even after all of these years, they have nothing left to prove to anyone. But I will say Rodgers did say self-validation. He feels, and maybe you don't because you realize his greatness as a guy that played, and us as fans can see it with our own two eyes. But he did say he needs one more Lombardi, at least in his mind. He should get as many as you can. I mean, there's no question about it. From a validation, he's like, even I think I need one more. He does need one more because... He's done so much, right? The, the first Lombardi, that's gone, man. That thing has dust on it. It's, it's time now to start over these next nine years to cash in on one. Because when we talk about all the great quarterbacks, great quarterbacks I'm talking about, they all have multiple championships. Because guy, even though Dan Marino doesn't, uh, didn't get a championship, he played in the Super Bowl, but no one really – discusses him in that conversation of great quarterbacks. They go to his arm strength and, oh, wow, what is this and that. That's what they talk about. They don't say how great he was as a quarterback. It's a Montana. It's a Brady. It's a it's a uh, uh, Terry Bradshaw. Right. It's even a Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's guys with multiple championships. Aikmans. Yeah. That's who they have conversations about. And I think for, for Aaron Rodgers to get into that, they, like, they don't even talk about Brett Favre as a – He's a Hall of Famer. Yes. But they don't mention him in that group 
of great quarterbacks. Because, and he owned all of these numbers. And the chip. And the chip. They talk about Peyton Manning, but Peyton Manning has multiple championships now. And this is what Aaron Rodgers has to cash in on doing. And he will get it over the next nine years. You see how I gave him eight? Add just another year on. It's also instructive to note that for people maybe that are too young, or you mentioned the Super Bowl year is like ancient history. He didn't play like the first three or four years of his career. He sat there learning from Brett. We know about all the drama, but that means less tread on the tires and more time on the back end. Nine is a big number, but when you consider how much he sat, it doesn't really seem unrealistic. But, but what, what, what's Aaron Rodgers? How old is he right now? I'll tell you. 30, what is he? 36, maybe? I'll look it up for you. So, so what do you, you think about so that? So when you look at it, we just had Matt Ryan on with us earlier. Matt Ryan feel like he can play forever as well, especially when you're looking at Drew Brees. Or you're looking at Tom Brady, you're looking at Phillip Rivers, you're looking at guys that are a little longer in the tooth, and you start to say to yourself, oh, he could, he could, he can certainly do it if he stays healthy. He turned 37 yesterday. Happy belated birthday. Sorry, that's our bad. We, do, we should have mentioned your birthday I, I said wishes. 36, but it was 37. I, I thought it was 36, but he just, happy birthday, though, Aaron. It's our fault. You know I love you, bro. <laughs> totally negligible there. So 37 for sure. So we'll see what happens. Again, the Packers have the Eagles on Sunday. Well, Keyshawn. that'll be easy. <laughs> that it will. Keyshawn J. Will Zubin brought to you by Straight Talk. Look, we all accidentally damage our phones. It happens. Now, Straight Talk Wireless new Platinum Unlimited plan includes phone protection, just 65 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text, data, and more. See mobile protect terms and conditions at assurion.com slash straight talk limitations and exclusions apply. We're asking this morning, as we just had a heated quarterback conversation, we're asking this morning, not the QB position, but give me your best running back, wide receiver combination in the National Football League. And just before we leave this morning, we'll have a little extra fun and ask Key for his all-time greatest running back, wide receiver combination. We'll give him a little bit of time to think about that, and Key will unveil his answer at 945. But we'd love to hear your current-day response on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776, Key J and Z on Twitter. We've been getting a ton of reaction on the Twitter feed, so thanks for everybody weighing in there. Right now, Key, best running back, wide receiver combination football is to you? There's so many of them, but, you know, me, I, I have a very biased opinion, and, and I'm a nepotism guy, and I think it's Alvin Kamara and my nephew, Michael Thomas. I, I, and Mikey's missed some time this year, but certainly since he's been back, they continue to roll offensively. He's putting up the numbers that he was putting up prior to his injury last year, and when you look at Alvin, Alvin has just been dynamic. I mean, in terms of catching the ball out of the backfield, in terms of running it between the tackles, just doing a lot of different things. He reminds me so much – of Hall of Fame running back Marshall Falk in a lot of ways. I mean, it's just it's, it's special to me to be able to watch those two guys do it. You could also talk about Derrick Henry, and you could also talk about A.J. Brown together as a duel. I just like my running backs to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and also run between the tackles and do some of those things and be a dual threat opposed to one-dimensional because when you become one-dimensional as a running back, they take you off the field on third downs or defenses. If they start to uh, somehow slow you down, you don't have any other weapons in your tool case other than bully ball and a lot of defenses that you might go up against come playoff time aren't going to run away from playing bully ball against you love to hear from you 888-ESPN 888-729-3776 again key j and z on twitter j raised an interesting point when we had this discussion earlier which is to say i know if obj was healthy how about obj and chubb <sighs> obj hasn't had the consistency because of the constant change in cleveland to put himself in that conversation, Dalvin Cook in 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 the young receiver 
Justin Jefferson out of LSU. That's with the Minnesota Vikings. Stuff. Or Thielen, whichever one you want. Adam you can have that. Adam Thielen, you can have that conversation. Devontae Adams and, and Rodgers, you can have that conversation if you choose to do so. Um, you know, it, 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 there's a couple guys, though, that you could kind of look at and go, I mean, you can, if you want to have the argument of Kenyon Drake and, and, and um, DeAndre, DeAndre Hopkins. Hopkins, you can have yeah. that argument. It's a good one. You know, so there's, there's look, all six or so guys that, that I've mentioned, if some of them are off the board, fine, I'll take the other one. Yeah. Because they're still dynamic. There's no doubt about it. Again, we're going to get Key's all-time greatest running back wide receiver combination at 9.45 a.m. Eastern. But if you want to weigh in on that, hey, man, this is your show, too. Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Key just gave you the current breakdown. Alex in Dallas is on ESPN Radio, and he wants to go all-timer. Alex, who is the best all-time running back wide receiver combination in NFL history? Well, the best wide receiver of all time is Jerry Rice. So you got to go with who he was with, Roger Craig. That's a great one because Roger Craig was there for the 1,000-yard receiving, 1,000-yard rushing. And, Alex, um, you're in Dallas there, man. I hope you're still with us. Um, you're not there. Yeah, I am. You're not, I am. Go- you're not going with Emmett and Irvin in Dallas? I'm not sure if you're a Cowboy fan. He relocated to the Metroplex. But how about Emmett and Irvin? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Alex, anything? You know, the best wide receiver – the best, the best wide receiver of all time is, is Jerry Rice. No doubt. Uh, Irving is there. Emmett, of course. Uh, I'm not a Cowboy fan by any means. I'm actually a Miami Dolphins fan. Okay. Miami but, Dolphins. Uh, no. Miami great Dolphins. Great stuff. Thanks for weighing in. That's Alex in Dallas. You could go with the great Dallas combination of Emmett and Irvin. You could go with what he said, Roger Craig, 1,000-1,000. I mean, that was really incredible when he did that. That's becoming a little more commonplace now. I hope they got now. you on camera. <laughs> and then, obviously, pairing him with Jerry Rice. Again, Key's answer to that at 945. Hit us up with your answer on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, or KeyJNZ on Twitter. On the way, it's been another crazy week in college football. Is there any other in 2020? Our college football playoff insider with some big breaking news. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Saturday's Maryland-Michigan football game has been canceled because of the coronavirus. It will not be rescheduled. Maryland and Michigan off for this weekend. Maybe that doesn't matter, but maybe it does because Michigan plays Ohio State the following weekend. That's a game Ohio State desperately needs to be eligible for the Big Ten Championship and the college football playoff. 
Those are the words of Paul Feinbaum, and right before him, that was ESPN Radio Zone, Christine Lisi, giving you some breaking news on Michigan. But that's not the breaking news we want to talk about this morning. There has been some breaking news that has happened here in just in the last few minutes, and this is really big for the group of five outside the Power Five structure, and just the notion that this breaking news could happen. And for more on that, we bring in Heather Dinich, ESPN college football writer, playoff reporter, Heather, there is some big news here involving BYU. Get us up to speed. So BYU and Coastal Carolina have agreed to play this Saturday because Liberty is unable to play Coastal Carolina because of COVID-19 outbreak within their program. So what this does is it gives BYU a much needed opportunity on its schedule. They had been trying to play somebody else. This gives them a top 25 opponent. But Zubin, if we're being honest here, I think what it does is give them an opportunity to catapult into the New Year's Six bowl consideration. I still think that the Cougars would need a lot of help, a lot of chaos above them to be truly considered for the college football playoff. But as we sit here for two weeks now, the selection committee has not put them even within New Year's Six Bowl range, which is typically the top 12 spots. But this has a chance if they win that game to give them the boost that they need. And Key, I would just mention right now, BYU is at 13. Heather's talking about the 12 threshold. So you could imagine why a game to be played against an unbeaten team, no matter what conference they play in, would be important. It, it, yeah, it would be. But it would be interesting to see when these two teams started preparing for each other. Because yeah. it could look like last night, NFL game, if you know what I mean. Heather, uh, Michigan-Maryland game was obviously canceled What does this mean for the Ohio State-Michigan game two weeks from now? Well, it's obviously in jeopardy, and Michigan said that the earliest they could possibly return to practice would be Monday. So if Ohio State cannot play that game, that would put the Buckeyes below the six games needed to be eligible for the Big Ten Conference championship game. So assuming they play against Michigan State this weekend, that means that they would be 5-0. and Heading into Champions Week, though, that December 18th, 19th weekend, guys, Every team in the Big Ten is playing a game, even if you're not in the conference championship game. So Ohio State could be matched up against a respectable Iowa team, for example. They could punctuate their resume, finish 6-0 and still, and be in contention for this thing. But they would not have the conference title as a tiebreaker that the selection committee uses when comparing similar teams. Heather, speaking of Ohio State, Wisconsin AD Barry Alvarez told the Detroit News that the Big Ten could change the rules if Ohio State is not eligible for the Big Ten championship game. How likely is that to happen? That's a difficult question to answer because all 14 athletic directors would have to agree with Barry. And while he is certainly an influential voice, not just within the Big Ten, but also college football as a whole and a former selection committee member, he knows what it takes to finish in the top four. Um, I don't know if there's enough support because they would have to do that. And this remember, this decision was made in conjunction with head coaches and with input um, as well from the Big Ten and champion, championship administrators for the people who run that game. So they can change it. They can, but they also, at the end of the day, have to answer a question, how far are you willing to go, essentially, to put Ohio State in contention for the college football playoff as a conference? You know, can they also find somebody, another team, 
to play against Ohio State if they can't play Michigan within the conference? Who Would anybody be willing to do that? I think behind the scenes, there's a willingness um, from the conference to be flexible. But again, this always has to go up the chain to the presidents and chancellors. And I just don't know, to be honest, if there's enough support at this moment for that. If, if Ohio State doesn't play in the Big Ten championship game, Heather, but does play Wisconsin that weekend and get in Wisconsin six wins, how would the committee evaluate 6-0 and season versus a 7-0 season that includes a Big Ten championship? I think it's an entirely different conversation. If you have Ohio State, and let's remember, this is possible. They can play Michigan State. They can play Michigan. And we might just have the scenario everyone expected, which is Ohio State winning the Big Ten title. And if they were to beat a one-loss Northwestern team, win the Big Ten, I, I think it's they're almost, I hesitate to say them a lock because you never know what's going to happen. But I think they've got a great chance if that happens. If they don't have that conference title and they're sitting there at 6-0, and then it opens the door to what happens in the SEC and the ACC conference championship games. Are there two SEC teams? Does Florida beat Alabama? Are there two ACC teams? Does... Um, Clemson beat Notre Dame and they split during the season. And if that's a possibility, Ohio State could be on the outside looking in. And don't forget about Texas A&M. This week, this week, before all of this hypothetical um, came bubbled to the surface, they had talks, serious talks in that room about putting Texas A&M at four and dropping Ohio State. So it's already a precarious position for the Buckeyes. You mentioned the ACC. Uh, How are other conferences reacting to the ACC's decision to cancel the Clemson and Notre Dame's rescheduled games the week before the championship game that they're supposed to play? I think this that was another example of what we've seen essentially from the summer to this point, which is conferences have to make decisions during this pandemic that are best suited to them and their teams. And by doing that, well, first we know that obviously Notre Dame is a lock to play in the ACC championship game. Clemson can get there with a win against Virginia Tech this weekend. But what it does is gives them another layer of flexibility. Because if by some chance Notre Dame and Clemson couldn't play those games on Saturday, they now have December 12th freed up to make up those games. And Miami's still in the mix, by the way. They need to play one more game because the ACC wants those three teams, Miami, Notre Dame, Clemson, to each have at least nine games before they determine uh, who will play in that championship game. But at the same time, now you have Notre Dame and Clemson, if all goes as planned, sitting there with bye weeks before they play each other, which if you're those two head coaches is quite the ideal situation. How about that? And if you're Manny Diaz, you need a little bit of help from Virginia Tech. I'm not sure he's going to be able to get it, but there's so much in flux. Every single time we bring Heather on, that's the deal because it's 2020 in college football. Heather, thank you so much. Thanks, Heather. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Heather joined us on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. I want to quickly mention one thing that she said there that, that you guys may be interested in. She said, you know, maybe if it doesn't work out for Ohio State, they play Iowa, they play Wisconsin. The reason that is in flux, this is pretty interesting. You may not have heard about this. At the end of the season, the Big Ten is going to have something called Champions Week. Right. What is Champions Week? It's not your total crossover opponent. Right. We're in this division and we always play the team from that division. 
It's called Champions Week, and what they're essentially doing is they're taking the top team in the East and the West out because they would play in the title game, yes. right? Mm. So what they're then saying is if it works and schedules have to allow, the second team from the East would play the second team in the West, and the fifth team in the East would play the fifth team in the West. So in some ways, you don't even really know right now who your Champions Week opponent would be, which is one of the reasons that Heather said Ohio State, if they were in that precarious scenario— they might play one of those games and not really know who their opponent is until the week before. It's kind of an interesting little wrinkle, and it keeps fans that are cheering for teams that are not in the championship game a little engaged in the final week of the season. So that's just an interesting distinction to bring up. Champions Week, we're not going to see it beyond 2020. So so one is obviously a championship. Two plays each other. If three, can, four, right. five. Seven and seven would play each other. Yeah, but I don't mm. want to see that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, don't I, see, I don't want to see that. I don't want to see that. I want to see Illinois and Nebraska again. Thanks right. for not putting us in the seven spot. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> or Rutgers and so. That's fair enough. Still to come, we've been asking all morning, the greatest wide receiver running back duo today in the NFL. There have been plenty of opinions. But when we return... Key will give us the greatest running back wide receiver combo in the 101 year history of the NFL. Jay will weigh in his opinion as well. And you can weigh in on Key J and Z with your thoughts. We get into an all timer discussion. Happy belated birthday to Aaron Rodgers. I don't know how we could do that to him. Turn 37, I believe. Well, yesterday. not talent producers. Well, speaking of producers, happy producer, birthday, Evan! That's his birthday today. Evan. We call him Little Coach McVeigh. That's what we call him. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. No, you don't like that key? You're not calling nah. him little coach McVeigh? McVeigh could call plays. Wow. Evan don't know. Evan, get on the mic it here. About Defend yourself. Football. He's one hell of a producer, Key. Don't do that to him. He's a Jet fan. He deserves better. Well, he was yeah. a fan of yours. 
No, I'm a Jets fan. Oh, no, he said no, he's a Jets fan. You had, <laughs> you had Keys jersey, right? You had Keys jersey. I, I, had, that I did. I had Keys jersey. It was the first uh, one of the first Jets jerseys I ever got. Right after Key got drafted, I had to wait because I didn't think 19 was his real number. I thought it was like a <laughs> fake practice number. And you know what's so funny about that? He still wears the jersey this day. No, stop <laughs> it, on. Key. He does not. He's a grown man. He still wears the jersey. He sent me a picture in it the other day. <laughs> He Sunday sent, doing wait, the wait, game. Wait, wait. He sent you a picture of him in the jersey? The other day. What, what time What time of the night? Yeah, come on, man. Stop. Turn the question. <laughs> Happy belated to Aaron Rodgers. What's Rogers. going on here? Happy birthday to Evan <laughs> Wilner. All right, let's get into this. The greatest wide receiver running back duo of all time. This morning we were asking who the best current combination of running backs and wide receivers is. Great, great discussion. Key settled on Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas. So let's just go big picture. Mm-hmm. The greatest running back wide receiver combination of all time in NFL History. Let's just run through some names. Just give me your thoughts on these. I, right? I, I okay. really got to stick to the modern era for me. Okay. <laughs> I don't, yes. I really, you know, yeah, right. you know, let's stay, let's stay 75 okay. across, right? We can't, we can't go leather helmet era. No. Okay, we got to go. Okay, here we go. These are, these are some really good ones. And uh, again, you can always weigh in all day long and continue the conversation at Key J and Z on Twitter for all the ladies and the fellas. Okay. Thurman Thomas and Andre Reid in Buffalo. Two Hall of Famers mm. that went to four Super Bowls and didn't win one. Marvin Harrison and Edger and James in Indianapolis. Two more Hall of Famers that won a Super Bowl that's dynamic. Uh, Marvin Harrison was in my draft. I know both of those guys very well. They're in that conversation. Two-thirds of the greatest show on turf. Shout out to Kurt Warner throwing to Isaac Bruce and handing off to Marshall Falk. Know both of those guys very well. Marshall Falk, a, a San Diego guy, got to know him a lot. Isaac Bruce actually played with me in junior college. Mm. Two Hall of Fame guys. I mean, numbers speak for themselves, man. Now we're going back to the 70s, not quite the Wait, 60s. Can, can, go we go, can we go Eddie George, Derek Mason? Cause you, no? What do you think? Yeah, but it, it, it's a different conversation over here. Okay. It's a different conversation over here. Okay. Keep weighing in, though. Just keep Jay. No, I'll just keep jumping in, in. whatever is relevant. (laughs) Different conversation. I got it. You don't want to go too old, but we got to go back to the 70s here for the next two, okay? And these are big. Franco Harris and Lynn Swan or Franco Harris and John Stallworth, Pittsburgh Steelers. Hall of Fame guys across the board. There's no question about it. But numbers-wise, they don't have big – they didn't have – error, the error, right? They didn't play in that. And they dominated the defense side, dominated. They're They're more known, I believe, as the Steel Curtain. Then they are Swanee and, and Franco. Defense over offense yeah, essentially is what you're yeah. saying. There. But they did win four Super Bowls yeah, they in the did. 70s. They right? did, but I think a lot of people try to get that credit to the defense. Fair enough. That's a great, great point. Okay. <laughs> you're right. The Steel Curtain. What? For sure. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Okay. Let's go back to the 70s here. Uh, to a degree, uh, Tony Dorsett and Drew Pearson with the Dallas Cowboys. Hall of Famer and a guy who should be in the Hall of Fame. There's no question about it. That Those two guys, but they're not the two best in that uniform. Yeah, and one thing he wanted to clear up there, and I totally agree with you, Dorsett is in the Hall of Fame, and Drew Pearson, the great receiver for the Cowboys, is not. And uh, it's really a shame, and in fact, uh, the last couple of years when he's been close and hasn't gotten in, he's been very, very emotional about it. He knows what this could mean to his legacy. So rooting for Drew Pearson uh, to finally one day be in camp. Why has he not gotten in? Uh, just hasn't gotten the percentages, but most guys do come up with, you know, it's just a part of my legacy. I know how good I was. I got to give Drew Pearson a lot of credit. Go back and you can YouTube it. It's really amazing. He's sitting there at his house, right? Or with his family or at the hotel room waiting for the call. Wait, 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 wait. Call doesn't come. Everybody in the room is like, oh my God, like who's going to go up to, who's going to say something to him? What's going on It's disappointing because you put so much into, you know how good you were. And it's like, well, wait a minute, man. I know what I did. 
and then whoever's voting is just yeah. It's whatever. a bit of a downer, but I, I totally get it because when you put anything that amount of equity, whether you're a football player, an accountant, a yeah. car mechanic, a car salesman, whatever you do, if you're listening to us, when you know you're great at something, yeah. you want that. And you validation. don't get the respect and the validation if that's how you feel about yeah. it. No, I hear. Sometimes it's just the uh, longevity, as Key said, that yeah. can get you there. But sometimes these guys had a great run, but man, it was just cut. A little bit short. Some of it was on the players and some of it was just on circumstance. We're going to widen it out a little bit more for pass catchers because the tight end has become such a big part of the game. So let's just have some fun. It's just a poll question. Um, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown in Pittsburgh. Mm, Both gone. Not long enough together. Uh, Individually, obviously, you could separate them and they were dynamic, but just not long enough together as a group and didn't win a championship together. This is mine. You know, if I could stretch the rules a little bit. Terrell Davis Davis and Shannon Sharp in Denver. Yeah, yeah, that's a good yeah. one. That's but but really you can, one. I can remove Shannon and, and insert Rod Smith into that category. And then you go wide receiver. And, and then, then I can go wide receiver. So, yeah, definitely Hall of Famers right there. they both uh, dynamic players in their own right in Denver. I, I hate Terrell Davis to this day, but that's okay. Why do you hate T.D.? Because he beat us. Oh. <laughs> he beat us, man. We had him bottled up and under control into the second half. Well, remember what happened because the Broncos had that devastating loss to Jacksonville and that motivated them for the next couple of years. So I know what it's like. Well, I don't know what it's like, but TD knows what it's like to lose a big game. You know like what that. it's like. You can speak from that perspective. And then getting over the hump against the Jets and pretty amazing two year run there. 97. So who's the greatest? I know we're going through a lot. Yeah, of that's, all that's these. the question. So get, who's the answer? We got a lot of Smith, candidates Michael here. I, I would, oh, that's a really good one. Miss Smith, Michael. You know, for me. I can go Jerry and Roger Craig. Or I can go Emmett in the playmaker, Emmett Smith and Michael Irvin. As and I'm going to probably go Michael Irvin and Emmett Smith because Michael Irvin was the heart beating soul of the Dallas Cowboys, and they yeah. won three championships. Right. You know, in and the Dallas. playmaker, yeah. the playmaker was my guy. He was my guy, though. He was just, man, I used to watch him and be like, okay, that's what I'm talking about. You know? Last thing, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. That is Keys. Jay, you want to weigh in with your I, all-timer? I, no, I Agree with him? I, no, I was. You one suggested I, it, right? I, I said Mike Irvin <laughs> and Emmitt Smith. Yep. You didn't take Rodney Hampton and Imani Toomey? Come on. <laughs> Come on. Well, you wanted me to take Derek Mac- Joe Joe Morris and Phil McConkie. All right. See you tomorrow. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. 